live from the next cast of Anthropological Institute. They're grain-based, mostly. Today, we're talking about fans of breakfast cereal. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Fanthropological. My name is Nick G. I've already had a bowl of mini wheats and Rice Krispies today because today we're talking about breakfast cereals and the people who love them. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. I'm poo poo for podcasts. Wait, Ooh. I tried really hard, <laughs> <laughs> but it just didn't come out right. So, turn things around with a prepared statement on Weedabix. Here's Nick Z. Actually, I've uh, I've decided to uh, wing it and come to you, good people, with a, a much truer message. I stay crunchy in milk. Oh man, good job, Captain Soggs. Can't say that about Weedabix. Oh no, no. But if you if you've got the science of Weedabix down, uh, you know you can tweak the uh, the milk to Weedabix ratio just right, so you get like a really nice consistency for a little. Strawberry in there, maybe a little little raspberry, blueberry, whatever you want to put in there, and bang, got yourself a cereal. <laughs> Sounds like you need things that are not Weetabix to make Weetabix good, is what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Well, I mean, you can hang a blank canvas in an art museum and say it's modern art, but you can only do that so many times, you know. <laughs> but that canvas, that canvas can be anything you want it to be. You're... <laughs> depict anything you want it to oh, depict. Oh, man. Oh, sorry. We got a hot take from Kaito L on the stream. Weedabix <laughs> is horrible. I had some for the first time for free when the student food bank was getting rid of it. Oh, wow. Wow. Gotta throw some peanut butter and molasses in there, man. Yeah, just why not just have peanut butter and molasses while you're at it, Z? Because it's not the same because there's no Weedabix involved. Okay, well, moving on. <laughs> Weedabix is replacing toast or any other kind of grain-based thing. Is your favorite artist the inventor of white paper? I don't know who that is, so I can't say that it is. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to... You're praising blandness. That's all I'm saying. It's not bland <laughs> because... Okay. You just said it... it was bland. Rice, some would say, is also bland. But what do people do to that? They add all sorts of stuff to it. How is that any different from Weedabix? Because I also got Frosted Flakes next to it in the cupboard. Psh. It's not going to win. I did not, not expect this flakes. podcast it's... to start off this way. Weedabix. <laughs> Man, I'll say this. You can customize the Weetabix, yo. Okay. Plus, the bags aren't sprayed with BHT. Hashtag pimp my Weetabix. Exactly. I feel like somebody made this comment about, like, Skyrim and cars. Like, <laughs> about, like... Okay, this is already quite a tangent, but, like, it was a webcomic. I think it was, like, uh, probably Penny Arcade. I was talking about, like, saying skyrim is the best game of the year because you can customize it is kind of like saying the honda civic is the best car because of all the stuff you can put on it like <laughs> it's kind of a similar argument yeah i'll defend skyrim i've never played it so. <laughs> just assume skyrim is the same as weedabix yes and carry on yep down to the finest grain anyway at the next cast on twitter Hashtag pit my Weedabix <laughs> for your thoughts on this Weedabix debate. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Yep, it's raging. <laughs> All right. This is a particularly weird episode in general, but a weird one to do the fandom facts because we're talking about breakfast cereal. 
And that means it's time for a little bit of a history lesson, along with some information about cereal. In case you didn't know, I mean, if you're in North America, you probably know a lot about cereal, but I digress. Breakfast cereal is obviously a type of food often made of grains and eaten as the first meal of the day in Western society, at least. They are often fortified with vitamins, though they lack the vitamins that are needed for a healthy breakfast, <laughs> and are often high in sugar. Mm-hmm. I will remind you, T, they are part of a balanced breakfast. Yeah, you know what else is part of a balanced breakfast? Cardboard. <laughs> You know, you got your eggs, your toast with uh, with butter or margarine, your orange juice, your glass of milk, maybe like a banana. Everyone had like three glasses of <laughs> of like drink. There was like a glass of water. There was like a coffee. <laughs> right. There was like an orange juice. There was a glass of milk. There was a bowl of cereal. There was like half of grapefruit. There was bacon and eggs. There was a stack of pancakes. There was waffles and like a fruit salad. Complete breakfast. That's the balanced breakfast. It's also all the calories you need for the entire day. Yeah. Well, you just need exactly. to be the rock and just be jacked and just yeah, like, exactly. exercise all the time. <laughs> no, do that. This was interesting to me. In 1970, there were only 160 different kinds of cereals. Huh. There are now, or rather there was in 2012, there are probably even more now, almost 5,000. Wow. Not many of them... With exceptions we'll talk about later, not many of them seem to have disappeared. I mean, I guess I didn't know what cereals were around in the 70s, but all the ones I remember growing up, none of them have disappeared. Booberry? We never had it in Canada, I don't think. No. Oh, I mean, there's probably a bunch that are seasonal, but... Booberry and Frankenberry. Yeah, I'll come back. Companions to Count Chocula. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they... I'll come back to Frankenberry. Yeah, the Monster Cereal line has a storied history. <laughs> Breakfast cereal, as it turns out, actually has a very long and probably interesting history that I did not have time to dig into in enough depth. But here's some quick history about that, because it actually is kind of interesting. I I was going to say, I read up and uh, looked up a little bit about this, too. So I can fill in a couple of things as you go on. Sure. I deliberately had to cut some stuff out because there was too much. Yeah. Breakfast cereal actually, in North America at least, shares its history way back with the indigenous North Americans. They made something which we know as grits or hominy, yep. which was made out of ground corn because that's what made it palatable. <laughs> sweet, sweet corn. Yeah. Even though that was popular in the southern U.S., it never really gained a foothold in the northern U.S., and it should come as no surprise that that is mostly where cereal kind of got more popular. There was a group of food reformers who wanted to cut back on the excessive meat consumption that happened at breakfast, Part of that reformist movement was from the Seventh-day Adventists, a group of Christians, Mm -hmm. who actually made food reforms part of their religion. Oh, yeah. Yes. So there's also a bunch of history about oats and stuff, and I'm going to briefly skip over that. (laughs) And by briefly, I mean entirely skip over that because (laughs) we're talking about the cereal we know and love today. So flash forward a bit towards the end of the 19th century Mm -hmm. with a certain John Harvey Kellogg, son of an Adventist factory owner, medical superintendent, and masturbation rehabilitator. Yep. I could have waited on that, but like, it's such a weird thing. That's a, yeah. (laughs) It's more fun. Yeah. So the institute that he worked at often had wealthy industrialist visits for recuperation, They're accustomed to things like eggs, meat, potatoes, coffee, 
all the stuff that the Seventh Day Adventists are like, nah, man, because they're all about abstaining from stuff. And as it turns out, vegetarian diets. Mm-hmm. So because of that, Kellogg starts experimenting with granola, which eventually leads to cornflakes, the, I guess, prototypical breakfast cereal. Yep. And later, Charles W. Post, who is a patient at Kellogg's sanitarium, is impressed by this all-grain diet thing that's going on and begins experimenting with his own cereals and comes up with grape nuts. Boy. Yeah. And, like, that's a very short history of... How long did it take Mr. Post to get to Sugar Crisp? I didn't look into that. But apparently, after Post had, like, been reasonably successful with his cereal, like, his company and himself acquired, like, Jell-O, Maxwell Coffee, Baker's Chocolate, like, all sorts of different businesses. I'm just going to shed a little more light on the Kellogg story. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Yeah, because John Harvey Kellogg, okay, they were making these toasted corn flakes, Mm -hmm. right? And they were literally that. And they were to curb masturbation, as you said, and like the graham cracker, replace meat with grains because grains was like the food that God gave us sort of thing. That's what they were thinking about. Sure. And it was part of rehabilitation and like, you know, it's the best way for the breakfast food to move through the body without getting stuck at one of the 10 gates <laughs> of food in the body. Uh, okay. There's all kinds of stuff if you keep going. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so John Harvey Kellogg, cornflakes. His younger brother, Will Keith Kellogg, was like, how about we add a little malt and sugar so it actually tastes good. Spicy. And then we sell this. We can make so much money. People would love this. And John was like, no. This is serious biz. You can't just sell this. And then William Keith Kellogg split off, and he founded the Kellogg Cereal Company. Okay. And made Uh... cornflakes. Yeah. So it was the other Kellogg who was also into uh, yogurt enemas and whatnot. I think that was probably John Harvey. Yeah. Well, Keith just wanted to make money from selling food, and he did an okay job of that. Yeah. And that is what put Battle Creek, Michigan on the map. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's where Post is. That's where Kellogg's was. Like, it started it all, man. (laughs) Real capital of the U.S. Yes. I think it actually has that name. (laughs) Yep. The sports team there must be the uh, the fighting Tonys. The fighting Crunchies. <laughs> oh. So that is like a, a short history. There's also tons of stuff about oats and stuff. But since we're talking about like, you know, the boxed breakfast cereal, a little bit less relevant to what we're talking about today. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a crap load of stuff about like how breakfast cereal changed from like the beginning to say even the 70s. Oh, yeah. But we're not doing a history podcast, and there's a lot. <laughs> People have probably written books about it, man. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did look up search data. Would you believe that we are actually in the middle, and I will hesitate to say this, but in a resurgence mm. in interest in breakfast cereal? Interesting. So from 2004 to 2008, since Google Trends data is limited to 2004, it was on a decline. It was the most popular in 2004. If you go from 2008 to about today, it's been on a slow upward trend. There's some periodicity to it, I imagine, because of like, I don't know, Christmas or Halloween or whatever other seasons have special cereals. (laughs) I don't know. But it does seem like interest is back on the rise again. Very slowly, but still on the rise. The top 10 countries by search volume. Top one surprised me, and it was by a fairly large margin. Poland. Oh, interesting. Uh, Then the United States, 
Canada, the United Kingdom, Singapore, South Korea, Norway, Australia, Ireland, and New Zealand. Hmm. Rather interesting variety of countries. I would have figured they'd all be like Western Europe or North America. I mean, yeah. you got Canada and the US, that's North America, yeah. minus Mexico, <laughs> and smaller countries. Yeah. South Korea is a surprise for sure. Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I guess there's probably a factor of busyness of life, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, get into that later, perhaps. Okay. And I did manage to drum up some quick fun facts. They're not all from Archive of Our Own this time. <gasps> Okay, so things that I found. There are a thousand fanfics that use the word serial. Okay, cool, great, whatever. <laughs> That's amazing. I gave it a second shot. There are ten fanfics about Tony the Tiger. Okay. <laughs> and three about Captain Crunch. Oh, wow. Captain Horatio Crunch. Is that canon? Yes. Oh. <laughs> um... Also, I think, and this is working off of memory, not from my notes, about half of, in each of those scenarios, the rating was explicit. Okay. So, yep. Yeah. If you want it, it's there. Yep. Another fun fact, Frankenberry caused a strange health epidemic in the 70s because kids were eating a lot of cereal and it left their stool discolored. Oh. People were freaking out. Yeah, because it looked like blood. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, this is the dye that made it red or pink or whatever the Frankenberry color was. Yeah, kind of a pinky. Yeah, they probably yeah. fixed that later or stopped making Frankenberry or whatever, man. Yeah, I think the reason why Count Chocula, at least according to urban legend, is still around because it came out around the same time um, was because it also is full of dye and whatnot. You know, give it that rich brown chocolatey color because the uh, poop's already brown. <laughs> Can't really tell. That's fair. Yeah. But I I mean, nowadays, I'm sure that the dyes they use are like next to nothing. There's no effect kind of thing. Probably. I also found out that there were some really weird and racist mascots. <laughs> Boy. Did uh, either of you hear about Sohi or Sohayat? No. Nope. Okay. Apparently, there used to be a cereal called Rice Crinkles. Okay. Spelled with a K, obviously. Of course. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the box right now. Okay. <laughs> they would oh, boy. they would later become uh, Cocoa and Fruity Pebbles. Oh, oh, interesting. Like, that doesn't seem like much of a stretch. But apparently the mascot was Sohi, and he was basically like a caricature of Mickey Rooney's character in, like, Breakfast at mm. Tiffany's. So imagine oh, an even more racist stereotype. I'm trying. Yeah. It's hard. And that was in, like, the... I think it was the 50s to 70s or 60s and 70s. And then later they replaced that mascot with just some like creepy clown. Like it was a clown, but clowns are creepy. So, <laughs> Man, oh man. I didn't come across any racist mascots, but while we're trading mascot stories, I did come across a big Otis. What? The muscle bound Scotsman. What? Who was the mascot for OKs. What? Oh man. <laughs> I think it was a Kellogg cereal where the little bits were in the shape of O's and K's. So someone saw Cheerios. <laughs> I was like, this needs K's. Eventually they figured out that kids weren't that interested in a big burly Scotsman. So they changed the mascot to Yogi Bear. 
Oh. Yeah. I am interested in a big burly Scotsman. <laughs> personally. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, small tangent. I wanted to tie this in, but it doesn't really tie in. So Pebbles, like Fruity Pebbles and whatnot, right? Has Flintstones as a mascot. Yeah. The Flintstones used to have ads for cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't really tie into breakfast cereal because that's more like a history of the Flintstones. We haven't done an episode on the Flintstones. No. Surprisingly, no. Or Hanna-Barbera, even. Everybody remembers the Jetsons, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was on for a single season. But it was, like, long enough to get into syndication or something? Or... I, 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 Wasn't like... there, like, the new... You know what? We'll figure that out in another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can just end this off by saying... Winston's taste good like a cigarette no, shit. No. Stop it. No. <laughs> Gross. Bad. No. No. Uh, all right. I'm going to wash that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> One final fact that I had. Captain Crunch has a backstory. Does he ever? Yeah. So I'm going to read this little excerpt, but apparently Z did all more right. research than I did. <laughs> so this is from a website, Odyssey, Four Strange Things That You Never Knew About Your Favorite Breakfast Cereals. Yeah. Taken from the official website as well as commercials and official social media posts, Crunch Island, located in the Sea of Milk, a magical place with talking trees, crazy creatures, and a whole mountain, Mount Crunchmore, of course, made out of <laughs> Cap'n Crunch cereal, is the birthplace of Cap'n Horatio Magellan Crunch. <laughs> oh, he's just got explorer's names. Oh, it's like, there's more to it than that. Like... I just didn't copy the rest of the quote. There's like, he's in a war against the Soggies. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Soggies. And so he eventually recruits like a whole yep. team of people. Yep, he recruits Sea Dog as his first mate. Elfie, Carlisle, Dave, and Brunhild. <laughs> Dave? Dave? Yeah. Forget that guy. Whereas the Soggies, those dastardly Soggies, enlist the help of Jean Lefoot. <laughs> Who is all about having, I guess, smelly, soggy cereal. I don't know what his deal is, but he's not a good guy. <laughs> Gross. The canon was further expanded with the uh, Captain Crunch's Crunchling Adventures PC game, in which Captain Crunch, along with being a sea captain, was also a animal behaviorist and was studying these creatures, these pet-like creatures called the Crunchlings. Because they could somehow help preserve the stockpile, the mountain of Cap'n Crunch cereal in the ongoing battle with the Soggies. I mean, the secret is just to encase them completely in sugar, right? <laughs> and you can use them as weapons as well. I mean, sugar's a crystal, right? Like, we just make yeah. super hard sugar crystal. <laughs> That's what Cap'n Crunch is. Yeah. I'm sure if the pendulum of health didn't swing against sugar as it did... <laughs> That probably would be an ad campaign. We've encased Captain Crunch with even more sugar. Now it's perfectly preserved against the Soggies. This is an old one some batted around up here in Canada. Mm-hmm. But the story always went that Captain Crunch, as it exists in America, is illegal in Canada because there's too much sugar in it. <laughs> I would believe it. <laughs> there were, man, growing up, there were a lot of cereals that were not in Canada that I wanted to be in Canada. Cool. Cookie Crisp? Oh, yeah, you beat me Yeah. Too. <laughs> Cocoa Krispies. Don't know what you're talking about. They still let in a lot of sugary garbage, but oh, of course, of course. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's let's take. If we're gonna get into uh, famous last words, I can jump in there. 
Okay. I can also jump in. Everyone's <laughs> You know what? Go. I'll just yield yeah, because uh, uh yeah. Okay, let's <laughs> Gee, let's start with you because you're actually the first sure. person I have written down here. Nice. You said there's a statement, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the internet's favorite cereal. Alright, so did some research on this. Okay. I found quite a few rankings. Some of them power rankings. <laughs> yes. According to themselves. Yes! Amazing. What? Okay. So I'm going to go through them here. So you did a meta-analysis? I did a meta-analysis here. Okay. So first up, the HuffPo. Okay. Huffington Post. Best breakfast cereals in order. Cinnamon Toast Crunch ranks a measly 13th. Whoa. (laughs) That's really low. For reference, their number one, Frosted Flakes. Garbage. Full honesty here, compared to every other cereal on the market, to me, Frosted Flakes is what Weedabix seems to be to everybody else in the world. <laughs> You're just not interested. What was no, number two? No, I mean, Tony the Tiger. But uh, oh, the cereal? No, thank you. Yeah, what was number two? Oh, I have more lists to get to, guys. Okay, just keep going. I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, all right, so complex.com. In their 50 greatest breakfast cereals of all time. Ranked Cinnamon Toast Crunch as second. Ooh. Number two. Wow. With number one being good old Cheerios. Boo. Just Cheerios. So many different varieties. How can you be down on Cheerios? It wasn't any of the other different varieties. It was plain Cheerios. Mm. Anyway. So we have Upper Ox. A credible source. The headline being the definitive power ranking of the world's best cereals. <laughs> List inexplicably starts at 17. <laughs> but sure. number one, with a bullet, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. Number two, Fruity Pebbles. Huh. But, you know, I'm going to yield to the site that I found called Mr. Breakfast. Okay. Anybody else come across Mr. Breakfast? Nope. No, I came across a few fan sites, but not yeah. Mr. Breakfast. So, it is an index of, like, every possible cereal known to humans. <laughs> okay. And wow. anyone can vote once per cereal per day. Okay. On any of the cereals. Okay. So I'm saying that this is going to be the most diehard, the most authentic ranking of them all. Yeah. Because this is at least user-generated. Where Cinnamon Toast Crunch comes in number three. Okay. All right. Pretty good. Number two... Frosted Flakes. Yeah, that's not surprising. Number one, I will be shocked if you can guess what it is. Uh, Unless you learned about it during the research for this episode. Quisp. It is Quisp. What? What's Quisp? Okay, so how do I know what Quisp is? You might all be asking. Yes. I looked at the garbage. Okay, this list from Huffington Post is just garbage. (laughs) Okay. So, Frosted Flakes, number one. Number two, Honey Nut Clusters. What is that garbage? Quisp, number three. <laughs> honey Grammos, four. Crispix, five? Golden Graham, six. Lucky Charms, way down in seventh. This list is a bunch of poop. Kicks. Apple Jacks. Fruit Loops. Weird. Anyway, Quisp. Never heard of it before. Don't know what it is. It's a Quaker cereal. I saw it described as like a gentler Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> The edges filed off, I guess. <laughs> Maybe Quisp in the States is just Captain Crunch in Canada. 
Mr. Breakfast also has a listing of the best-selling cereal. Oh, that's more useful. Whereas Cinnamon Toast Crunch is number five. Anyone like to guess number one? It is not Quisp. Honey Nut Cheerios. It is Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> Man. I was going to guess Plain Cheerios, but I feel like people are more of a Honey Nut kind of people. Plain Cheerios, number four. Okay. Honey Bunches of Oats. And then Frosted Flakes, number two. Frosted Flakes. Garbage. <laughs> all right so that's uh so the internet has a lot of fondness for cinnamon toast crunch but <laughs> definitely not universally number one okay mm-hmm. there's stiff competition mm. from quisp apparently whatever that whatever that is <laughs> z you said uh out of all the cereals in the world dot 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 what has the most complex song of ice and fire style background story for its mascot? We may have answered this already. <laughs> we might have. Maybe he did more research and found other things. Toucan Sam's yeah. been on a number of expeditions. <laughs> Maybe we're cheating and it's like Disney princesses cereal and we're using like the mythos of the, I don't know, man. What did you find? <laughs> All right. Before I get to that, I just wanted to give everybody a quisp update. Okay. <laughs> But what is Wendy's doing? <laughs> That's next. That's during the uh, famous last words. We'll do that. Okay. Not really cutting this out. <clears throat> it was a uh, Quisp was introduced in 1965, continued as a mass marketed grocery item in the late 70s, and then it was sold sporadically. But then once the internet took off, it was sold primarily online. So Quisp is like an internet serial. What? And Man. it only made its return to, to supermarkets in late 2012. And Originally, it was released alongside a sister brand, Quake. So you could have your Quisp and your Quake. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So the, the brick and mortar stores wanted a piece of the Quisp pie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I use this as a bit, but I also use it as an introduction into my famous last words answer. Because the Quisp guy. <laughs> the Quisp guy. I wish. I wish. Let me just do some research on the fly here. No. Seriously, the Quisp guy was a creation of Jay Ward, a major producer of animated shows such as Rocky and Bullwinkle, oh. Dudley Do Right, and others. Oh, okay. Wacky Races. Wacky Races. Yes. He's also the creator of Cap'n Crunch. Oh. Yes. Because from my research, as we've all guessed, <laughs> Captain Crunch was the character that I found to have the most involved backstory. And if I had maybe, you know, gone character by character, like what's Tony's deal? What's Toucan Sam's deal? What's, what's the Trix Rabbit's deal? You know, maybe I would have found another one with an extensive history, but like Captain Crunch would be difficult to beat because... Didn't exactly find his life story, but I mean, I found out that, you know, yes, he's got that full, long, luxurious name, Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch. He is uh, in constant battle with the Soggies, but like the way that I found it described in this article, I think it was the article that you'd cited earlier, T, Four Strange Things You Never Knew About Your Favorite Breakfast Cereals, was the way that they described it was that he discovered his destiny as Defender of Mount Crunchmore and and his home island by fighting off the Soggies who for unknown reasons want that Captain Crunch cereal, that Crunch cereal so bad. 
Can they not buy it in stores? Apparently uh, not. It's just like <laughs> the sea of milk is this closed universe where grocery stores don't exist, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, there's stuff like that, him discovering his purpose and being an animal behaviorist in that PC game. <laughs> the only disappointing thing was that I wasn't able to find any fan fiction that really fleshes it out and like goes on for a hundred chapters describing in minute detail like his rise and his fall and his rise again like his whatever is going on you know with with his relationships is he is he uh, a father at all is he he with anybody what about his parents you know all this all of those questions remain unanswered unfortunately perhaps you dear listener will be the fanfic writer or the legit fic writer. I mean, just write it out and then change some names and you know, pull an E.L. James. Uh, and you could you could totally make it. Somebody's not jealous at all. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, we can't all take our like 20-year-old Mario and Zelda ah! fanfic and just make no. some tweaks and have a blockbuster, man. No, it's true. We can't. Can't. Ah. See, at any, any point, did you come across a picture of the Cap'n without his hat? No. Interesting. Wasn't something I was looking for, though. There's got to be some fan art out there. I remember seeing uh, very briefly on Quora, I was searching, you know, why is this backstory so involved? And I just came across this one post that had these three answers. And one was like a joke story about his twin brother being the exact opposite. He loves soggy cereal. (laughs) And another was like this other sort of throwaway joke thing. But then the third one was this short three-panel comic of uh, this very fairly photorealistic Captain Crunch and his crew on his like ship shaped out of a piece of Captain Crunch cereal in a bowl of milk very realistically fending off these milk monsters the soggies and Captain Crunch is just saying to his men holds holds oh that's a Perry Bible Fellowship comic okay yeah 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 sorry that like obviously is not Captain Crunch but it's definitely Captain Crunch yeah exactly it's Captain Munch. We all, yeah, we all know. Oh yeah, what's going on there? I think it's yeah. Crisp, Cap Commander Crisp. Yeah, that, that's what yeah, it yeah. is. Okay, yeah, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, my famous last words were not super exciting, or rather, they could have been, but they weren't, or maybe they were. I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. I had asked how divisive is the fandom, and I mostly had asked that to try to get an understanding of, you know. We've talked in the past about people who have curative interests in fandom and people who have transformative interest or creative, however you want to describe that. Uh, and then there are people that have like a more passive element to the fandom. I was trying to figure out if there was like conflict, like division. You know, people are like, well, canonically, Captain Crunch is like that. And I didn't find anything. I didn't find anything in general to all breakfast mascots. But... And this is probably getting into the why and also getting into the weird. Yes. Did any of you? (laughs) Oh, I I think you know where I'm going with this. Did any of you come across anything special to do with Tony the Tiger? No, I never did. Special? Wait, what? No? What? No. (laughs) Okay. He was voiced by the same guy who sang that song in... The Grinch? The Grinch. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so... All right, so none of you came across how Tony the Tiger has been weirdly sexualized. No. No. Cool. 
<laughs> so I was reading an article and it referenced a different article that I'd read a long time ago on Gawker about these furries that were contacting the Tony the Tiger Twitter account and like harassing him like sexually and like some of them were kind of explicit or whatever and uh, I'll put it in the show notes if you do want to look into it the article that I linked to is pretty tame but uh, what was it called it is from an article in Mel magazine uh, how Tony the Tiger became the most sexually objectified breakfast mascot and I won't say anything like lewd but I'll read some of it that kind of tells the story of how we got to this point because this like normally this would just be a weird thing but like i think this is part of the tony the tiger fandom Mm -hmm. like in as much as i'm not sure that there are really breakfast cereal fans but this is this is a thing this is a real thing Mm -hmm. it's all about the mascots okay so here's a little bit of a quote so this one person was harassing the Twitter account. And so this is in response to that. So just the idea of sexualizing this corporate serial mascot struck me as a suitably bizarre thing to share with the sort of people who like to interact with promoted tweets from multi-billion dollar food processing conglomerates. Boyvin said, adding that while he was happy for furries to be doing their thing, it's not for him. And there we have the crux of the matter. Boyvin assumed his tweet was a vulgar non sequitur, but it really fit a long standing trend. He thought he was sexualizing Tony but Tony was already sexual. So we skip ahead in the article a little bit. Mm -hmm. From the mid-1950s on, however, Tony developed attributes that would embed him in the sexual subconscious of kids too young to understand the nature of their attraction. For starters, there was the booming baritone of legendary voice actor Thurl Ravenscroft, the guy who sang You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, in the classic Christmas film, Mm -hmm. who took over the role of Tony from originator Dallas McKennan and delivered the growly catchphrase, they're great. Also, if you are a company, please don't sue us. Uh, For 53 years before passing away in 2005 at the age of 91. Also 91, that's getting up there. Mm -hmm. The charisma of the performance is basically without comparison in the world of serial mascots, and it undoubtedly contributed to Tony having a more fleshed out persona than most. By the 1970s, he'd been made the patriarch of a tiger family, uh, we're all aware of how people feel about daddy these days and gained an Italian American ethnicity to suit his working class nickname. What? It goes slightly deeper and then it gets grosser, but oh, the, the deep part goes before the gross part. All right. Man, oh, man. There's just one more paragraph of this. As copywriters and Ravenscroft molded Tony's inner life and gregarious spirit, his animated form got swole. By the 1990s, he was indisputably buff with bulging biceps and the proportions of a human bodybuilder. This increasingly contrasted with his low-key charms, which stood in stoic opposition to the sugar-crazed mania of, say, Sonny the Cuckoo Bird, who squawked insanely about Cocoa Puffs. While rival serials tempted children with characters that embodied rebellion, thieving, trickery, and loss of control, Tony remained a reassuring, predictable quantity, a gentle and nurturing giant who didn't always know his own strength. Larger than life, but always down to earth. Man. The article immediately gets gross for like a paragraph after that. (laughs) But like in the context of the article makes sense. But it's just like, I was just like, holy crap. Like what? Like that is like in as much as I find that bizarre, that is fandom. Yes. People found something in something as, as unlikely as a, as a mascot. Yeah. And well, they latched onto it. 
Yeah. And like when we eventually do an episode on the furry fandom, probably get into it more. But I remember watching this video, you know, like, why are there furries? And the conclusion that they came to was basically, you know, during that point in people's lives, speaking specifically, I guess, about furries who came up with like Sonic and whatnot, during like that point during puberty where people are sort of like having their sexual awakenings, being surrounded as as it was very easy to be in the 90s by animal characters, you like have that awakening around an animal character who is anthropomorphized. So it's like fairly easy to do. And then that's possibly part of the reason. So, I mean, if Tony's been around that long and he's like had all these extra details added to his character, then I could see that also being another way in. Yeah. I like, I was like, what? This this is crazy. But then you talk about like how he became buff. And I definitely remember him being buff. Oh yeah. Like I totally remember (laughs) being like jacked. Later in the article, they're like, he's not really a tiger. No. Like, he doesn't have fur. Like, if you look at him, he's just a character that's, like, effectively painted orange. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, yeah. And today, he's, like, jacked. Like, in the <laughs> Olympic ads and stuff, he's, like, doing stuff, like, being active. Like, I feel like he probably doesn't eat Frosted Flakes. Yeah. Do you think he eats people? <laughs> no, like, no, just he, he probably eats, like, all brand or something. Or Vector. 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 <laughs> I think he realizes that fruit fiber is the real fiber you need, and uh, he just has a lot of fruit. Maybe he just puts strawberries <laughs> in his uh, flakes. I bet he puts uh, strawberries and bananas in his Weetabix. Maybe he eats Product 19. Ooh, oh, hey. Anybody else come across Product 19? No. no. What is that? So, in an article... Atlas Obscura, entitled The Long Death of Product 19, The Most Beloved Serial You've Never Heard Of. <laughs> okay, alright. <laughs> what is Product 19? For nearly 50 years, it was simply an answer to a business problem, first released in 1967 as Kellogg's answer to General Mills' Total, which had the market six years prior. As the current slogan still contends, Total aimed to provide 100% of the daily amounts of nutrients. Kellogg needed something to compete with this healthy new blockbuster, and they began attempting to develop a vitamin serial of their own, eventually settling on product 19 there's no real story for why it's called that the end of product was the 19th iteration of the cereal i'll just say it was simply the 19th product Kellogg's developed it was like some rice krispies some special k some like granola it was just like a little bit of everything but it's like a whole day's allowance of 10 vitamins and iron was the slogan mm. of product 19 but it was like marketed towards adults and the box was covered with like stats and facts about its nutrition and like charts and things like that to get you know give off the impression of how serious and important a cereal it was and then it in the 70s began to transform into like this is how athletes start their day <laughs> with product 19 but product 19 was discontinued in 2016 and people were upset about it i mean they didn't follow soylent's campaign of stick it in your face and slam it Unfortunately, they did not. <laughs> this post on the Reddit, our cereal, all caps, seeking help regarding a substitute for the best cereal. One word, Product 19, this amazing cereal has been discontinued as of 2016, and it quite literally destroyed breakfast for my father as it was the only thing he ate. Hold on. So, so I'm, <laughs> maybe I misunderstood. So, they literally released it with the name that you could go out to a grocery store and buy a product called Product 19. 
Correct. Okay, I thought that was just like, you know, this was an in-development thing for years, and then eventually they gave up on it. No, it was out for 50 years. It was called Product 19. I need Uh, to find a box for this. (laughs) Yeah. This box is garbage. (laughs) It's just, it literally is just like 19 on a box. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. I don't, like, what? Yeah, you'd expect it to be really industrial and like kind of cyberpunk maybe, but no. Product 19's all business, man. I guess. Yeah, the front of it's like 100% of your daily value of vitamin E, folic acid, iron, and zinc. (laughs) Made with corn, oats, wheat, and rice. Yep. What? Okay. (laughs) Guys, you can buy some on Amazon. (laughs) You don't know what you got till it's gone is what I'm saying too true especially with cereals oh it's unavailable never mind (laughs) (laughs) probably sold out (laughs) yeah Yeah, post directly on kellogg's forum (laughs) have you discontinued product 19 is my very favorite cereal i can't find it again people are upset yeah that's fair people are going to be combining other cereals together in order to (laughs) wow man if hey if that doesn't uh, equate to fandom, I don't know what does. That's no mascot, barely a name. <laughs> Serial doesn't even have an identity. It's just a bunch of stuff put together. But uh, I mean, isn't that like Heinz 51, really? Yeah. Yeah. Same idea. 37. Yeah, that. Look, I haven't had it in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man. Well, that being said, maybe we'll get to the why. This is perhaps the longest... Yeah. Long as it's taken to get to the Y <laughs> and the history of this show. Yeah, we've already uh, looked at quite a bit of the tip of that iceberg. Now we got to dive under the surface. Why? All right, all right. Let's start here. So I have lots of Quora threads. You know, I have some mm. Reddit threads. I have, you know, I've watched some videos. Yeah. And one thing, one theme that keeps constantly coming up. Yep. In terms of why people like cereal. One word. Convenient. Convenient. Tangentially related to convenience. Time. Yeah. Saves you time. You don't have to cook it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not I guess. You don't have to cook it. <laughs> Sorry. You, you know. May- <laughs> I mean, I guess that is a reason why people might like a thing. Yes. You mean I shouldn't put frosted flakes in the oven in the bowl with milk? I mean. <laughs> oh, no. If you put some Rice Krispies in a bowl with some marshmallows and some other stuff, yeah. and then put that in the oven, but then oh yeah, man, there, but then that a whole suck. transforms <laughs> sorry. it from sorry transforms <clears throat> it from breakfast to dessert. There's a whole cereal secondary market of turning you know cereals into desserts. <laughs> yeah, or get those cornflakes on a on shake and bake or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, you crunch them up like and chicken. you use them for yeah, yeah. yeah. And you take those Doritos and you crush them up and you add some <laughs> Mountain Dew and reduce the Mountain Dew. And then you got yourself a, a Mountain Dew Dorito chicken. Exactly. So, it's, so it starts with, <laughs> starts with, I don't have time to cook flipping bacon and eggs. Make myself a coffee, toast a bagel, whatever. I don't have time for that. It's cereal. Put it in the bowl, put milk in it, and go. Yeah. Jumping off of that. Yeah. Did you find mostly that it's like a, a Western North American kind of thing? Because like 
the whole idea of certain foods being breakfast foods is kind of exclusive to the Western mind. Yeah. At the beginning of the 1900s, cornflakes came out. People love cornflakes. But like the 50s, then it really started to get rolling and started replacing breakfast for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, the sugar would keep them there. Yeah. You know, it's fast. Oh, yeah. It's delicious. You know, it's sweet. It purports to have nutrients sort of They're thing. They're somewhere. Exactly. And, you know, it started pushing bacon and eggs out. The point that the, the British Egg Council ran a campaign called <laughs> Go to Work on an Egg. Advocating for people to eat more, more protein, specifically eggs at breakfast. And there was even, cereal even had its own, you know, like the music industry case, Tipper Gore. Oh, yeah. The censorship yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. The cereal had its own, like, witch hunt. What? Where it's like, these cereals are destroying the youth. What? Oh, man. And, like, there's no nutrition. These are all garbage foods. This is barely food. You'd get more nutrition eating the cardboard and the cereal box <laughs> than eating the actual cereal. When was that? This was Roughly. in the 70s. Really? Yeah. Huh. This was a different case than the woman who is like, what do you mean my berry cereal doesn't actually have any fruit in it? Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. there was a case. I'm very grossly like summarizing the thing, but like there was a woman who sued one of the cereal companies because... She saw that it had berries. It's like, crunch berries aren't real berries. And the judge was just like, look, if we rule this way, then like, that is like a patent disregard for like common sense and whatnot. We are not like, no, <laughs> this is not happening. Wow. Yeah. That's a little product 19. <laughs> okay. But you, you were talking about people being fans because it saves time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't have time for the bacon and eggs and toast or bagel or whatever. But that seems... Okay, so what I was doing when I was looking on my phone, over the last week when I was in San Francisco, I was reading over a book mm. from a friend of ours, Stephen, who wrote Fandapro. Mm, yeah. And in it, it has a definition of fandom. And I just remember this off the top of my head. And I was like, oh, we always kind of struggle with what a fandom is. And it's like, you know, people being passionate about a thing. That's our, like, that's what a fandom is. Like people who are passionate about a thing. Yeah. And we're like, we don't care if that's not an interesting metric. In the book, it adds a second definition, which is people who put time into the thing that they do, whether it be like writing fanfic or playing games or whatever. And so I'm not saying that that's the metric we need to apply for fandom. But I do find it interesting when we're talking about people being fans of breakfast cereal and the measure of them being fans is that they don't have to spend time doing other things. It's just like, I love this thing. That's why I love spending so little time on it. It seems very... Now, T, I am not finished talking about time with regards to breakfast Okay, cereals, go for it. Go for it. If you're finished. I am. Okay. First of all, I read a bunch of different quarter articles on why people like cereal, and that was basically the number one thing people say. Okay. That it's easy to make and doesn't take any time. Yeah. Also, there's people saying, like, it was the first thing that you could make yourself as a kid. Ah. Like, because you didn't have to cook it. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then um, that gets into a whole nostalgia thing, which I'm sure we'll touch on in a minute. So there's that. But, I mean, it sounds like the, the, the jury's come back on cereal as breakfast. And it's not happening quite as much because I found an article. The real reason millennials aren't eating cereal for breakfast. <laughs> well, as long as we're not killing the cereal industry, I think it'll be okay. I mean... I'd read an article recently about how millennials are changing the food industry because convenience what? is so important to us. Yes. 
So, you can't eat a bowl of cereal on your way to work, really. Nah. You gotta sit down to eat yeah. it. Unless it's in but, a tube. <laughs> if you got gogurt, then you're exactly. You're but you know, if you have like a breakfast sandwich or like a bagel or something, you can walk and eat that, right? Yeah. So it's it it is now not convenient enough for us. But like millennials are super, you know, they're into the nostalgia and they're they're into cereal, but as a snack. Mm-hmm. Like our generation just doesn't eat it for breakfast as much anymore. And you can say that maybe it's realization of like the nutritional quality or lack thereof of the cereal, but the convenience was like got a lot of people hooked in the first place, got people off of making full fry ups every morning for breakfast. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it's now like got its own place as this weird, possibly indulgent thing. Oh boy. They just kind of eat outside of, of mealtimes. Yeah. Speaking to that indulgent aspect, yes, in uh, Times Square, New York City, I believe it opened on uh, July twentieth, twenty sixteen. Okay, that's when a video on YouTube was posted about it. The uh, little cereal cafe there in Times Square oh, is a cereal cafe put on by Kellogg's. So you can go there. You can order pretty much any cereal Kellogg's offers. You can throw in mixins if you like jam or fruit or jube jubes or like jelly beans or whatever you know throw whatever you want in there milk yogurt soft serve ice cream but it's not just like some place some hole in the wall where you order cereal and people are like here's your cereal jerk (laughs) it's got a menu with uh you know some i guess suggestions for things that have been mixed in cereal combinations whatever and it, it is created by a owner slash chef of the famous Momofuku restaurant in New York City. What? Christina Tosi. What? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just like some person coming out with like your bowl of cereal saying, here's your cereal. What happens is you put in your order. There is a wall full of cabinet doors, red cabinet doors made to look like cupboard doors in like a standard kitchen. Whoa. And when your order is ready, Whoa. like... You get a number or whatever to know which cupboard you want to go to. But you go up, you open the cupboard, and you take out your cereal. What? And then you go sit down and enjoy it. I'll have the endorphins, please. <laughs> okay. So it's like this cafe that's like, sure, it's offering cereal. Sure, there's maybe some nostalgia there. But it's also just so much how it's presented. And the video that I watched um, specifically spoke about how in New York City apartments are super small for most people Mm -hmm. so like the city kind of becomes your pantry and this restaurant in particular is like trying to give you that back home sitting in the kitchen having some cereal kind of feeling i find that interesting because it's not like you're never going to want a gourmet chef's version of frosted (laughs) flakes right it's not that that the chef is like reformulating the cereal no no chefs like create these mix-in combinations that, like, that's what I'm. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Like, when people are like, "Oh man, I want some cereal," they're not like, "I wish cereal." No one thinks, "I wish cereal was better." I wish this Frosted no, Flakes had some yeah. soft serve ice cream and lemon rind in it. Well, well, like, I wish there was a gourmet version of cereal. I feel like people <laughs> don't want that. They want yeah Frosted Flakes. They want Honey Nut Cheerios. That's what cereal is. So like yeah, the fact that it's still like not 
not a gourmet twist, but like an artisanal sort of twist on cereal, but it's still just like corn pops and sugar crisp and <laughs> stuff like that. It's interesting to me. Also, none of those mix-ins, please. Yeah. Absolutely none. Not even one of the fan favorites, which uh, would be Fruit Loops with Soft Serve, Marshmallows, uh, Apricot Jam, and Lime Zest. Or Absolutely not. Special K and Frosted Flakes with pistachios and lemon zest and milk. That sounds pretty decent, actually. Uh, I do have a question. With the marshmallows, do they have, like, these are Lucky Charms marshmallows? These are Count Chocula marshmallows? They... These are the stupid marshmallows <laughs> that we put in Fruit Loops every Halloween? <laughs> they might. But in the video, I just got the impression that they're, like, your standard bago marshmallows marshmallows. Oh. Yeah. I may not be an expert. I may not necessarily... <laughs> be a fan of breakfast cereals but if i'm not mistaken those are known as marbits whoa oh boy oh boy i don't care for them <laughs> <laughs> when i was a kid full confession time here when i was a kid and we would get count chocula i would intentionally leave as many marshmallows in the bag as possible so that at marbits. the end of it marbits sorry <laughs> so that, that at the end of the cereal experience of that box i would just have a a bowl full of marbits. Man, I I like them at all. Like they would put them in Fruit Loops every Halloween. I hated it. I thought it just ruined <laughs> the bowl of Fruit Loops. Like, ah, man, oh man. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Even this though, like, are talking about marbits. It's like, you know, I used to be for them. Maybe I'd still be for them. G staunchly against like strong opinions exist about cereal yeah i noticed that when i was reading these lists for example mm -hmm. or some other articles talking about people's love like all these strong opinions came bubbling up and maybe they're so strong because it literally doesn't matter at all <laughs> Could but be. like i was like that, that's a garbage cereal everyone knows that <laughs> like i had that response so many times <laughs> Plain Cheerios are, like, low-tier, man. <laughs> yeah. Apple Jacks, so. Apple Cinnamon Cheerios, they're, like, at least mid-tier. They don't taste like apples. They don't, but I love them. <laughs> As I remind myself not to turn this show into just a recitation of ads from our youth. I was going to say, Apple Jacks strikes me as a very 90s cereal. Because I remember seeing ads for it all the time. Lots of skateboards. Yeah. They were the coolest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that the nostalgia, and this isn't unique to Breakfast Cereal, but I think that that is a huge part of what makes it a fandom. Because you can say people like Breakfast Cereal because it's convenient or fast or one of those things or both of those things. I don't care. Argue Nick at the next cast. <laughs> but, like, that's not enough to make a fandom. That's just something that you're interested in, much like you like certain kinds of food. That's not enough that people will, like, go out and collect cereal boxes. That's not enough that people will make a pilgrimage to, like, the Kellogg's Cafe or whatever. That's not enough for people to, like, write really smutty fanfic about Tony the Tiger. I feel like that in particular is its own thing. Yeah, okay. Like, maybe, maybe <laughs> if I dug a bit a deeper, mix, there are other perhaps. weird examples of that. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think that the nostalgia is that important part it's it's not necessarily like oh man this cereal is the greatest or i really like 
the leprechaun or whatever from Lucky Charms or the Tricks <laughs> Rabbit. It's that like I remember things associated with this thing. And that's not a bad thing. It's like yep. going back Saturday morning breakfast cartoons with cereal and milk maybe mm-hmm. or just like yes having a hard time in university and just like munching on some cereal as a snack or whatever like it doesn't matter what period of your life there's like a time that you can go back and because it's convenient or fast you can come back to that and remember the good times that you had there it's not necessarily because the cereal is any good it's just like baseball or dessert or i don't know a sport that you like the things that you did as a kid it's just all those associations that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. it's just like yeah yeah i don't think it's it's about the like cereals fast that's why i love cereal that's why i have a, <laughs> no, a tricks diet daiki macro whatever they're called <laughs> that's how cereal gets in yeah so it gets your hooks in you but yeah so the nostalgia like because people aren't like this is the best food i've ever had because it's not <laughs> but it's like you like the taste of mini wheats because it tastes like mini wheats because it tastes like what you remember. Yeah. You know, and then you have all those positive associations with it. Yeah. That was like number two, I'd say after time, people are like, ah, oh, Saturday morning cartoons. Yes. Da, 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 da. People just want to be kids again. And that article I got all the, the crunch facts from mm-hmm. opened up with a note that Saturday mornings were for kids. What's, the sabbath or shabbat was for christians or jews because saturday mornings were like this time when kids would get up early have lots of cereal and watch cartoons and like there's just so many positive things going on there but the only one you can really experience again now because there aren't saturday morning cartoons because maybe you got to work in the morning because maybe you were out all night yeah for so many different reasons is cereal and like memory and taste and smell go together so much as well. Yeah, you're sitting there forming memories. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of memories to fill your brain up yet. <laughs> sitting there consuming sugar by the spoonful, watching bright colors like fly into your eyes. Like it's a very memorable uh, situation. Though, like I've gone, I've, you know, I've, I've gone in university. They were like, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I could come in your pajamas and we'll watch." Saturday morning cartoons and breakfast cereal and stuff like that. And I was like, eh, I'd rather watch like The Wire. I think, I don't know what the what the thing that is watched while it happens is, but uh, the Apollo Cinema here in uh, Kitchener does the, a similar sort of thing. I don't think pajamas are, uh, are required, <laughs> but they've got like a bottomless cereal, come in, watch some stuff Saturday morning kind of thing every now and then. Yeah. They're probably banking on the fact that adults are perhaps less uh, into sugary, sugary cereal than kids are, but you know. They just like show movies? Like like whatever's playing currently or I th- I think they might legit show like old Saturday morning cartoons. Oh okay. like, how old are we talking? Probably like nineties, like X Men, um Ooh. others. Whichever generation has the most expendable <laughs> money now. <laughs> Which would probably be the nineties. Yeah, nineties. Yeah, yep. yeah. Hmm. Well, next time you're there, ask for product nineteen. <laughs> It'd be funny if somebody actually knew what it was, and they're like, "We don't have that, but if you mix this, this, and this together, it's hmm. the same thing." I don't even know if Raisin Bran would make the cut in a situation like that. 
There's something about reveling in like how bad it is for you now that you know better. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh man, this is it was just like eating candy. Do you want a bowl? Of course I do. <laughs> right. Reese puffs. Oh, gross. <laughs> which is which is different from eating like candy or dessert because that's something that you do deliberately knowing that like in the case of some dessert you're like this is an elevated thing this is i'm going to have a small delicious thing even though it's super sweet or like candy where you're like i'm gonna have a lot of candy but i know that it's candy i'm not misleading myself into thinking that it's good for me somehow it's just sugar Mm -hmm. but with cereal you're like maybe it's good for me it's got iron and other things I get and other things that I eat. <laughs> Riboflavin and stuff. Vitamins. It's got what plants crave. Yeah, yeah it's got what plants crave. <laughs> After that trial, there was lots of like, now without a nutrients. Fortified with iron and da 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 Yeah. I mean, that's where part of a balanced breakfast came from. Yes. Mm. Right? Yeah. Not an entire balanced breakfast. I remember up and down arguing because... Vector cereal says on it, meal replacement. Yes, it's not a cereal. But I was like, when you eat it, it's not replacing your meal. It is your meal. (laughs) I didn't, like, that didn't register to me for the longest time. (laughs) You're kind of not wrong. It's not like it's a pill. It's like some sort of meditative practice that you do instead of eating a meal. When I think meal replacement, I think of... Yeah, like a pill or like a bar or something like that, but yeah. not a cereal. Yeah. So I looked it up pretty quickly here on the Apollo Cinema website. They play faves and obscurities spanning the 60s through the 80s. Whoa. All punctuated with vintage commercials and PSAs. Man. Lineup is always a secret. 60s. Yeah. So like what? We're voluntarily watching commercials. Flintstones? <laughs> Probably Flintstones, Anna maybe. Barbera, yeah, maybe Rocky the Beatles. Bowling. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Do you think that it's time for the verdict? I think so. Oh, perhaps. Perhaps. We've certainly talked about cereal for a while. <laughs> talked a lot about some people who are very opposed to masturbation. Yes. That's right. Yes. Cereal is the answer. As all cereal consumers are. <laughs> Yes, graham crackers <laughs> failed us. Cereal is here to save us. Uh... All right. Who would like to go first? I'll go first. Okay. All right. And coming across this thing, that was in GQ, by the way, the real reason millennials aren't eating cereal for breakfast. And I was like, it's now not convenient enough, right? And I was like, oh. I don't really eat cereal anymore <laughs> as much as I loved it. And I did love it when I was a kid and it all the time. And as uh, Mike Probiglia says, you know, if you buy a box of cinnamon toast crunch at two in the afternoon, it's not making it to the next day. <laughs> you don't buy crack to have later. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Yep. And you know, I'm <laughs> I gotta say I'm in. Like I love eating breakfast cereal. It's horrible garbage, but it's like it's not eh. It's, there's probably some aspect of nostalgia there, but it's like it's it's undeniably delicious. It's half sugar. I mean I love it, but it's not my breakfast. I was eating it as a snack and then I found that I'm like, oh I'm doing that too. 
So yeah, like I, I, I still love it and I have fond memories of it, but uh, we had a rotation whenever it was on sale, like Honey Nut Cheerios, Fruit Loops, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, French Toast Crunch, which I was not as big a fan of, Fruit Loops with Marbits around Halloween, and then occasionally Reese Puffs. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. No. I like cereal a lot. And if I find some Product 19, I'll probably buy a box of this. Okay. I can go next. Sure. All right. Being completely honest, I never thought I would be talking about mascots being sexualized to the internet. So um, that's an interesting place that I found myself in today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, yeah. But I was never a big serial person. If being a fan of serial is at least somewhat related to indulgence in that as a child, we usually had... Like, sometimes we had Cheerios, but we usually had, like, toast or English muffins. Or I was a huge fan of the, like, instant oatmeals. Mm-hmm. They were not instant because yeah. you had to wait for the water to boil. And <laughs> you would wait for the water to boil, and then you would burn your mouth. Yeah. But, like, peaches and cream was my jam. Nice. So I have to say that I'm out because I didn't really get into it. I don't see it as, like, as evidenced by some of the research. There's not really, like, a huge community or there are some communities that i want no part in hell man <laughs> all right just tell it like weird. it is man that's no, that's yeah. fair that's important it's important all right time for me to tell it as it is then as a kid huge into cereal gee when you mentioned french toast crunch i remember how that stuff tasted for like the first three bites and then the rest <laughs> of the bowl was terrible it but it's uh, like syrup I yeah wasn't, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I I don't know if I if I were to like do write up a, a memoir about my uh, experience with food, breakfast cereals might just be where I like maybe had some of the first flavor experiences where things that were not something tasted like something, i.e. French Toast Crunch tasting like kind of like French Toast. Yeah. But um, you know now I'm not wearing them right now, but like in my day to day life, I've got the sleeve garters on. Got a little accountant's visor on, you know. Oh, no. I'm a Weetabix man. I, it's just <laughs> how I am. Maybe it's blend. Maybe uh, you know, late at night I'll uh, hop on over to those those fan fictions there and you know throw my visor askew and whatnot. But uh, gotta say I'm out. Oh. I am out. But Weetabix is a breakfast cereal. Well, yeah, it is. But like, it's, it's above time. all that. I realize. <laughs> But, uh, it is still... Well, it's it's British, you see, so it's better than all these American cereals, really. That's what it's all about. So, quite mm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to throw in a little quote that I found on the blog, serialistly. Amazing. Run by Dan G, who points out that the reason he started the blog which chronicles serial news all over the place, was that he had fond memories of, quote, a childhood spent reading the backs of Cookie Crisp boxes over rerun episodes of Pokemon, end quote. I think that, like, captures the why pretty succinctly. Memories, nostalgia, like, specific flavors, all that stuff. Mouthfeel. 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 Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, 
I totally get it. But like now, if I were to have a bowl, I mean, I'd have some cinnamon toast crunch probably. But like a tiny ramekin, not a bowl. You know. Yeah. A little dabble, do you? A little dabble, you know. Like maybe maybe a good no terrible analogy is I was a junkie when I'm a kid, and now I just do it recreationally. <laughs> what about coffee? What about what now? <laughs> Breakfast dark secret. Mm. <laughs> oh man. Well, I have something that will hopefully not leave a bad taste in your mouth. Ooh. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> how did Incredible. how did no one <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. That's right, it's the time of the show for the spotlight. Which is where we usually shine the light on a fanish cause or charity or a thing related to this week's episode. This week, talking about breakfast cereal, I found a charity, not surprisingly, but not necessarily for breakfast cereal because, as we learned, it's garbage. Like, it's bad for you. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So, the spotlight this week is an organization called Magic Breakfast, which you can find at magicbreakfast.com. Uh, it is a UK-based charity that helps provide healthy breakfast food for schools and to support schools. They work with over 470 primary, secondary, and ASL uh, and special needs schools, plus a bunch of other things that are specific to the UK, to make sure that over 31,000 children start their school day in the best possible way. So if you want to check that out, you can go to magicbreakfast.com and learn more about them and you know, maybe help some people not eat garbage is the first thing in the, the day. Is this the first spotlight we have that, like, its promotion is, like, against the thing that we were talking about? <laughs> it's not exclusively <laughs> against, like... Right, like, all bran or whatever and corn yeah, flakes yeah. are, like, fine. But, yeah, like, Cheerios, too. There's probably yeah. some cereal there. Yeah. There's, like, probably hotel breakfast buffet kind of cereal spread there. And, and yeah. That, uh, the breakfasts they provide. With a little uh, tourney wheel... <laughs> spouts yeah yeah oh yeah yeah um, little cereal boxes you got to open up with like a window perform surgery on. <laughs> oh, those, get into. love those things <laughs> to answer your question though this might be the first time where we had a spotlight that is kind of counter to the, the show <laughs> just, just a little bit all right if you're keen on skipping up yourself a bowl of phantopological frosties head on over to itunes and hit subscribe and you'll get a fresh bowl Every Friday, while you're there, if you could leave a rating and review for the show, help us uh, get heard by other people. This podcast is Phantopological, but the three of us are the next cast, and to check out all the stuff that we're doing all over the internet. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at the next cast, as well as Vero. Oh yeah, very recently. We're all at the next mm-hmm. cast on Vero, for those of you heading over to the less social media more social life platform bureau would love <laughs> any money that you've made from the recent millions of users that have joined your app but if not thanks for letting us use it for free and you should also go and check out twitch.tv slash the next cast where you can see us record this thing live every monday or thereabouts at 8 p.m eastern time let us be the milk. Let this live recording be the milk to the cereal that is the podcast. Let seeing us improve the mouthfeel. 
<laughs> no, of this show. No, I'm just no. going to convolute it, mix up all the senses, put some synesthesia up in here. <laughs> but you can come here, watch us record this thing at twitch.tv slash the next cast. Have a great time. Have a blast, as they say. And you can participate in the chat, in the chat room on Twitch. You can ask us questions during the show. You can throw in your own commentary. You know, we'll see it. We'll mention it. It'll be great. But along with all that, if you join us here on twitch.tv slash the next cast at 8 p.m. Eastern time, Monday nights, you can also participate in the little thing we like to call the famous last words. You know the best part about famous last words? What's that? Well, for the past few weeks, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, forget about that. There's another thing to bring up. And this week is no no exception. (laughs) (laughs) For now and in the foreseeable future, you can also check out the Race Against Time. Our mini version of it. Right now, we are playing through Secret of Mana, trying to complete it in under 24 hours. Like when we complete it. I don't know. We'll see. But we're playing through Secret of Mana, trying to get it completed. And we're raising money for the Organization for Transformative Works, which runs a bunch of sites like Archive of Our Own, Fanlore, and in general helps to make the world a better place for fans by protecting fanish works. Transformative Works, specifically. And that is also at twitch.tv slash the next cast. And actually, we will be playing some more Secret of Mana on Wednesday at 7.30pm. Alright. And I have Nowhere else to stick this. Maybe this could go in the bloopers or something. That's something I didn't bring up. Girl Scouts Thin Mint Cereal. Thoughts? <laughs> what? Okay, I hate... It seems like an evolution of Cookie Crisp. <laughs> no. I hate mint, so it's automatically, <laughs> like, the lowest tier. Like, there's garbage <laughs> tier, and then there's, like, burning <laughs> in a lava pit. The idea of having mint in cereal is awful. <laughs> It's weird because people like mint in some desserts. I'm not one of those people, but like no, some people do. Either. And then cereal is kind of like dessert. So it's kind of like it works, but it, it just doesn't. Yeah. No, it's gross. No, minty, wow. minty milk. Gross. No. Right, Z mentioned some famous last words or something like that. <laughs> Let's just say everything's right. in the right order, and we did the transition to famous last words already. Let's do yep. the Scooby-Doo ending. We did some podcast magic, and now everything is in the right order. Yep. Sure. Famous last words. Next week, we will be talking about fans... Of mouthfeel. No, we'll be talking about fans Ooh. of fad foods, which right. might unfortunately provoke some discussions about mouthfeel. And we have a special guest. Yep. Yeah. We will have epic film guy Nick joining us. Not only epic film guy, but restauranter. <laughs> I forgot about that. Man. Yeah. yeah. Seasoned podcaster joining us on our cast to talk about fad foods. So, gentlemen, what... Are your famous last words around fad foods? I can jump in here. I can grab this uh, this dangling McRib <laughs> and uh, partake of its potential deliciousness. Okay. I don't think I've never really had a McRib before. Anyway, my famous last words about fad foods are coming in the form of a question. 
is there a fad food fan out there who collects the wrappers from these things or some other like evidence of their having existed since fad foods kind of like come and go Mm. and hopefully cleans them (laughs) i'm not holding my breath over that one (laughs) okay Fad foods is like it can cover a lot, right? Because it's not we're no. not just talking about fast food. No, we're talking about you know stuff that was like Pepsi Blue. Oh, you know that appeared for a short time and was popular, but but mm-hmm. was revoked. But anyway, my famous last word is about fast food. I'm just saying it's gonna be like a weird broad topic, but I'm interested in talking about it. Yeah. What was the first fast food restaurant to have a secret menu? Ooh. Ooh. How are you going to find that out if it's a secret menu? People know about the secret menus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a weird one because I, I honestly have no idea what we're going to find. Like, mm-hmm. whenever we talk about a fandom, a thing that I find that I think is obvious is that there will be people who collect stuff. So, it, yep. yeah, like not in it. Actually, you know what? That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going for this week. <laughs> All right, fad foods. There are foods sure. that are unique. People collect things, right? Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you so far. Okay. <laughs> are there people who collect and preserve fad foods? Ooh. And how do they do it? Oh, man. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's coming from McDonald's. You don't need to preserve it. It lasts forever and stuff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I had McDonald's pizza. I don't know. Oh man, pizza. Yeah. I feel coming off of the cereal episode, I feel like McPizza is another food for me that's kind of nostalgic more than anything else. Wow. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Well, you know, like family would go to McDonald's together. I and... said we'll talk oh. about it. <laughs> okay, great. On the next episode. Oh, we'll talk <laughs> about right. it, not well Fine. talk about it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, you listeners, you can hear that exciting talk about McPizza <laughs> and other fad foods next week on Phanthropological. Oh, uh, yeah. Bye, <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Okay, we're ready. We're ready. We're live. Is that you, Z? It's me. I mean, I like to do a quality check out for never, every word that I say. I've never done this uh, before. You have to definitely use my mouth. Nothing better than word jammering yourself. Oh, my God.
Man, oh man. All right. Okay, let's.